You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Jim Wolfrey, and you're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast where we explore leadership through the lens of elite sport by interviewing great coaches to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Dorette Bardenhurst. Dorette is the head coach of the South Africa netball team, the Spa Proteas. She started her coaching journey at 13 years old, coaching grassroots tennis with her father. Whilst working as a teacher at Auckland Park Primary School, she started coaching the school's netball teams. Whilst at university, she was selected to play for the South African under-21 team. However, after sustaining a number of injuries, the door opened for her to coach varsity netball. In 2012, she was appointed head coach of Northwest University, winning the varsity netball title back-to-back in 2015 and 2016. In 2017, NWU won the USSA tournament. Dorette has coached both the South Africa under-19 and under-21 team. She was part of the coaching technical team as an assistant coach under Norma Plummer, where South Africa placed fourth in the 2019 Netball World Cup. She was appointed to the head coach role of the South African national team in October 2019. Dorette is a coach with high expectations. But the empathy and energy to work together with her athletes 
to help achieve them. She believes that hard work and dedication make a difference to how you use your talent. And in this episode, she shares her experiences in helping grow the Proteas on the world stage. The elements of the interview that spoke the most to me were, as a leader, there is a small but important difference between being the athlete's friend and coach, but the difference is an important one, and you have to manage it carefully if you're to be effective. The difference between pressure at the national and international level and the way some players can cope with it better and the role that positivity and belief play in building culture within a team. This is a wonderful conversation and I hope you enjoy it as much as Paul and I did. The Great Coaches Podcast. Good morning, Dorette Bardenhurst, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you for making your time available to speak with me today. It's a real pleasure to chat with you. But before we do that, can I just start by asking, where are you in the world and what have you been up to this week? Um, I'm in Johannesburg. I'm staying here. Just busy with a lot of um, webinars, um, Zoom meetings. Um, we're planning and we're changing again and we, then we plan again. So things are changing the whole time. But yeah, um, keeping myself busy um, with uh, more admin stuff on the coaching side and not really on board at this stage. Yeah, the environment that we're all living through at the moment is creating these new ways to connect and these new ways to communicate. And I'm sure that's been quite different in the sports environment for you. How have you found these moments? In the beginning, um, it was actually fine um, to have a little bit of rest time because um, we had a really hectic program coming back from um, England of the Vitality Series. And then I went immediately into development and also in high performance programs, helping um, school coaches and also um, high performance coaches throughout the country. So I, I traveled a lot and then everything stopped. So a bit difficult to connect with our players because we only knew in the coaching and we haven't had really a chance to meet our players or the bigger group yet because immediately after um, being announced as coaches, we went into the Africa Cup and then into the England Test Series here in South Africa and then going to England for the Vitality Series. So for me, it was quite disappointing not to have my training camp that I um, was supposed to have in April. You have had an impressive career and journey as a coach and have worked with some of the great coaching names in the world of netball. Marlene Wagner, Elise Koitzer, New Zealand's Lynn Gunson, Australian's Jill McIntosh, and most recently, Norma Plummer. What has working with these great coaches taught you? I've learned a lot from every coach, and every coach is different. And it's very important that you need to take something from a coach, but don't change what you believe in. So for me, um, how I coached 20 years ago is definitely different from um, how I'm coaching now. And you as a coach are growing through all these experiences. And I think it's just great having this opportunity to learn. And Naples Africa gave it to me from a very young age, actually, because um, I started coaching at SN in the 19s. And at the end of the day, you learn from every coach you come across. So at one stage, I went to England for 10 days and we worked with Lynn Gunson there. 
Um, there's so many coaches. I actually, as a very, very young coach, I worked for Elise Kotze on her um, a farm where she did coaching there. And every Friday after school, I went there until Sunday and I coached. And that is just the passion that I have for coaching and learning from every coach. And you can take something good and you can take something that you need to change from every coach. And that is the main thing. You shouldn't be that coach. You need to stand in your own shoes but you can learn a lot from these coaches. Dorette, your dad is also a coach, and you've said that he was your inspiration to be a coach. What was it about his coaching that did that for you? Yeah, I grew up in a um, home where family is um, very important. So my dad is um, a person that he's for people. He just loves to be between people. He loves his sport. He loves his coaching. And from a very young age, um, I coached tennis with him. And he was a coach that um, actually um, started helping the beginners. And when they were at a certain stage, he will send them to better coaches or coaches that um, will work with the more experienced players. And um, for some reason, uh, my dad always gave me the beginner, beginner players. And I just enjoyed seeing the change that you can make in that player from a very, very young age. And my dad was just that motivation for me. And sometimes you think, no, I'm too busy at school. I'm too busy with this. And he will say, if you start something, you will finish and that. And I've always learned from my dad that with sport, your name is so important. You can't, um, if you do something and that is bad against your name, that will go forever with you. But um, with sport and my dad, I just realized that uh, people is important. It's not about me. It's what I can do for other people to change and give them opportunity to develop their potential. And sometimes it was a kid that will only hit the ball once that afternoon and it will be great for that player. But you need to realize what the goals of each player is and what they want to achieve. And then you help them to achieve that because not everyone wants to become a prettier players. This ability to help a young person unlock their potential is something I'd like to explore a little bit further with you, especially your transition into becoming a netball coach. You were a school teacher. You coached school netball then varsity netball, and now netball at the elite international level. You've also spoken often about the lessons being a teacher has given you. And so my question is, how have these lessons helped you on your coaching journey? I think it's very important that you should realize as a coach and being a teacher, a coach is not only a coach, you're a teacher, you uh, psychologist, you the mom there, you um, the supporter, you sometimes when they go through difficult situations, you the person that should help them. You um, teach them what is discipline. You teach them how to um, do time management. So as a, a teacher, and I wasn't um, at a school that was very privileged, so we worked with players that um, were coming from our area around the school. I didn't buy or gave bursaries to players to come to my school. But I realized that in every school, there's talent. 
and what you're going to do with that talent. Because when I started there, um, Nepal was like one team. Um, they didn't really play in a, a league. They um, was actually more a technical boys' school and with a few Nepal players and girls in the school. And it changed. In the, and I stayed for 13 years at this school. And um, I got a lot of opportunities to go to the famous schools, but I decided... God placed me at this spot and I have to work here. And you as a coach need to realize that sometimes it's not an easy job to coach. You need to actually give a player opportunity to improve their talent. There's talent out there, but you need to coach. And sometimes it's really hard work. But what I realized from teaching is you are there for that player. And there's such a small difference on in being that player's friend and being their coach because that line is so important and for me i'm a very i've got my space around me i'm I'm not a very um huggy type of person but um, it's very important that you're throughout the class situation and everywhere and that player and learner needs to know that you're there for them and you will help them to become that next level um, player and with school and being in the school system, I just enjoy teaching because you're so much closer to the players. You know them. They've got confidence. But I was a very strict teacher, so the boys always told the, um, the girls, how can you like this coach? Um, because when they got into my class, I was a young teacher. It was matric um, boys, and you need to have that discipline. So I actually enjoyed the teaching really a lot. And I think with the discipline in my class, I also you create respect between players and um, you as coach. And I think that is a very important thing. I've, I've often heard you speak in interviews about the belief the South African netball team has built itself on. You've used the phrase, when we fall, we rise again. And so how would you describe your coaching philosophy? Yeah, my philosophy about coaching is um, first that it's not about you. It's about the player. And for me, I want to give every person out there the opportunity to become the best that they can be. Not, It's not about your circumstances. It's nothing about... And where you grow up, if you're, if you're rich or if you're poor, if, you, if you've got talent, you need to get the opportunity to develop that talent, to become the best that you can be. And it's not always the talented um, players that come and goes through and become the best players, but it's those players that's dedicated. So for my, my philosophy is just to go out there and be re- really a, a coach that, is there for players and it's not about me. I don't want to get the credit. I will take the um, blame for a lot of things that will go wrong, but I want to give that players the best, best opportunity. And I will work really hard for that because I don't think there's an easy road um, to success. Mm, I'm interested if there are any non-negotiable areas in there for you. Oh, discipline. Um, never be late and my players will know I will leave them at the hotel if they're late Um, so um, for me that is where everything stored respect stored for me there because if if you have respect for me and I have respect for you I won't be late for a a training session so you won't be late 
to get on the bus going for a training session or late for my session and when you come from home. So for me, that is um, really a crucial thing. My players will know that if I say we will start at nine, they will be there 10 minutes before. So that is the first thing that I um, I believe in is um, discipline and also discipline on court, discipline off court and respect. Yeah, that is um, a huge thing, especially with all the cultures that we've got around us. Um, if you don't have respect for each other, you will never have a culture in your team that you can actually grow as a team. I'd like to come back to your comments about the diversity of your team a little later, but I'm wondering if you could share a little more about how you brought this philosophy to life in the squad. And I'm asking because you took over from an iconic coach in Norma Plummer, how have you been able to find that line between the development of the past, but also re-energizing the team to look forward under your leadership? Yeah, I was in a great position in the sense of 2016, Naples Africa decided to um, identify a few coaches and we got turns to work with um, Plum and Nick. And we also went to all the training camps in South Africa. They weren't a lot, but the few that we had in South Africa, we, we were allowed to join them in the sessions. And um, the year, starting January, um, Equest Africa actually announced me as the South African coach because Plum were, they were all in Australia. And I had, um, we had a few players in South Africa and some um, in Australia and one or two in England. And um, at that stage, I already took over the uh, responsibility of training all the players in South Africa. Because Plum didn't come to South Africa in 2029, in the beginning of the year, because we met in Wales for the, for the World Cup. So it was my responsibility to train those players. And we also played as a, a team in the, um, t- in the um, TNL, our Takom Nepal League. And we grew that, um, and it was not only the Protea team, we had um, number 16, 17, 18 in our group, also working with me. I went to them, I trained them. I had a lot of sessions with the players in South Africa. So when we went to Wales to meet the, the players coming from Australia and us from this side, then I actually worked a lot with those players already. So when I took over from Plum, it was a difficult situation because remember, I lost um, two players that retired, Mareika Ultazen and Erin Berger, that were both starting lineups. And Pumza and Carla wasn't available for that Africa Cup. We went in to play Malawi and Uganda that played with 90% of the players that went to World Cup. So that was a huge challenge for me and not being able to select new players really I didn't have a camp we just went in a week before Africa Cup started and I just realized that there's nothing needs to change because this group of players yes we brought in two or three players but most of those players worked with me and worked with Plum and luckily most of these players played for me either SA 19, SA 21 or SA universities so they knew me they knew Dumi so it was quite easy to build on the trust that was already there. And they believed in me and they never thought of that we want Plum back. 
So everything was quite easy going through for me. It's difficult because, like you said, Plum is a great coach and you don't want to disappoint, but you want to move forward. And you don't want to just stay on the things what was important for Plum, but you also need to bring in your style and what you believe in. And um, I think it really went well um, with Bungi as my captain. She's just an amazing person. And the support, the way we work together, our leadership group with management is just so important. And we've learned that from Plum and bringing that leadership group in. Bungi really helped us a lot in that sense. You mentioned in there losing some of the experience in the squad, which would mean that other players would now need to take on or step up into a leadership role or take on more senior leadership responsibilities. And so my question is on developing players for those through mental toughness. And not that long ago, the squad went through a mental toughness workshop. And so my question is, how is mental development evolving the role of a coach? Yeah, for me, um, even in that first Africa Cup, the first tournament that we came in, I had a sports psychologist that came in to help us with our team. For me, when it comes to uh, mental toughness, I believe that playing at international level is so different from playing in our national league um, in South Africa. The players that's playing currently in Australia and in England, they're playing against the best in the world. So the more they play against these players, the more they get confidence. And when they go on court, they believe that they are also good enough. But the problem in South Africa is we don't give enough players opportunity to participate at the international level. So for me as a coach, it's very important that we start giving that next level of players also opportunity to play at international level, that they can experience that type of tension, stress that you will um, have when you go on court because it's different. The pressure is so much more. You've got millions of people watching. There's no easy game. And remember, all our games that we've played so far are ranking games. So it's not easy to give your um, second lineup a chance to, to play because it's all about ranking points and you, you know, want to win this game. So you need to give more opportunity to these players because if they're not going to play more at international level, we, they will, we will never know, is this player a type of player that can cope at international level or not? And will she um, be able to... Uh, maybe with more opportunities, become better and better. Because I saw players that is, that's brilliant at a, a national level, at our national chance. But as soon as they go onto the international platform, they collapse. They can't take that pressure. That is the biggest problem at this stage. Mental toughness is we're not going to get that, those players tough enough to participate international level if we're not going to give them experience at that level. And I want to change that because if you look at the SPA Protea team, you've got seven, eight players that in the past four years really had enough game time at international level. The others were on the bench. And yes, some players learn from the bench. Others just don't like to be on the bench. And at the end of the day, if we can give those players more opportunity to learn and get that international experience, then we will see 
and how they can and take pressure. But for me as a new coach, now to bring in someone new and just hope she's going to cope at that level, I knew Lefebvre, I brought her into my Rikers um, place, I knew Lefebvre because she was part of my SN21 squad. She, like Ziggy, lose, lost out because of injuries and didn't go to the World Youth. But, you know, Lefebvre is that type of personality that she's a, sometimes it's a problem because she's a perfectionist. Everything must go 100%. But at least she's very disciplined. And I know if I tell her, listen, we need to work on a shooting average of a 90 95%. That will be her goal. And it's easier to coach a player like that. But there's so much talent out there. And I take a, a player like a Bungi, a, a Bungle, um, that played for me at under 21 level. She needs discipline. She's got the talent. She's got everything, but she don't have the discipline. So the more you're going to give these players opportunity and experience at the international level, you will see what you need to change in players and how can you develop these players because every player in that sport practice team are different. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dorad, if I can build on this mental toughness theme a little bit further with you, the the result of a game of netball can come down to very small margins. The chance for South Africa to play in the 2019 World Cup final came down to just two points. So my question is, how best can a coach approach shifting player mindset that these higher ranking teams are beatable? Yeah, um, that is, I think, one of our problems at this stage. And um, you as a coach need to make sure that your team, if they they need to get out of that. At one stage, I coach um, my university team, and every year we will lose by one, by two, and we just couldn't break through. And, you know, you want to blame the umpires, you want to blame this and you want to blame that. Then you decide, listen, we need to make a change in how we're thinking. Because if you're going to keep on thinking that we don't get players like the other teams in the sense of the quality type of players, we need to actually work so much harder when it comes to coaching. If you start looking at those things, it's wrong. You need to decide, I'm going to take on this challenge and you need to start have a winning culture in your team. You, if the moment you change that you talk positive, that you, you actually speak that when onto your team. 
that is when you start going through that because as soon as they're worried about losing and they think about losing, they're going to lose. So that is the problem in South Africa. And sometimes we have that culture of we feel sorry for ourselves. We don't have the opportunities like Australia, New Zealand and England. Um, we're not professional. We're not this. We don't get, get the same amount of time together with our team like other teams um, will get and things like that. And we need to change that attitude. We need to go in and believe that we can win. And as soon as you start believing in that and you give your players that confidence that you did enough to play against the best in the world, then you will start winning. But if you focus on the wrong things and you focus on the negative things, then you will never be there at the top. In preparation for today, I watched a press conference you gave, and it was one of the last questions from that media group that I saw you really light up. The question that was asked isn't something I want to explore, but how you responded is, you talked about culture and accountability. As a coach, trying to improve a team's culture and accountability, what is your advice to other coaches on what they should be doing? I think um, it's very important when it comes to culture that you involve your team. This is it's not a management decision. If you're going to start to, to say to the players, this is our values, this is important for the team, this is how it's going to happen, you will never get results. So if, um, a team culture starts at the team with management sitting together and deciding what is important, what protocol we're we going to follow, what will make you happy in this team. And like we did in our team and Plum played a big role in this, we said, but we need to make sure that we know exactly what is important for these players. It's not what's important for me. It's what is important for the players. And if we can have a happy family and we can respect each other and what is important for each other, then we can have a great culture in our team. And respect especially because we are different in our team. Accountability for me, very, very important because um, we, at some stage in our, in our netball in South Africa, it was just fine if you lose a ball. It's fine if there's a bad pass. And what I realized a lot becoming a national coach, that margin between winning and losing is all about that one or two bad passes. It's that one center pass that you've lost that will be the result at the end of the day. And players need to know that Mistakes happen, yes, and we can immediately adapt and we go for the, uh, onto defense. But we also need to take accountability on what is important with the ball in hand. So for me now, when I go to all the different coaches in the country, I really want to emphasize coaches that what is your turnovers against? What is your position lost? What is your position gains? Because that is the difference between the Two, two, three top teams in the world at this stage. And, and, and when I got my SNA 21 team before World Youth, we were on 50, 55 um, position losses, turnovers against us in a game. But our defense must turn. Our defense were always that they were the group of players that needs to change a team's um, results. 
And that won't work at international level. And that is the change that we need to make from playing at national in South Africa and playing international level. That margin for mistakes is so small. And for me, accountability on court, but also accountability off court. When this team wants to win, it's about 12 players. Against um, Jamaica, this combination will work. But against Australia, that won't work. So the next lineup will be important. If, if that is not important for you to be part of that 12, then you've got a problem in your team. So for me, that whole team effort is very important. And that's the thing that I want to emphasize in my team. For everyone, is important. And everyone should take accountability, even if you weren't on court at that specific game. Dorit, you spoke then about the team combinations and selection choices you have made for games. Finding that right balance in a team as a coach is never easy. Selection decisions need to be made as well as decisions on how much game time a player gets. Uh, There are times where players aren't always able to see that bigger picture of when these decisions are made or when they are being made. And sometimes they react many not so well. So what I'd like to explore with you is this area of disruptive influence. How have you, or perhaps more specifically, what is your advice for coaches looking to manage disruptive peer pressure within a team? That is still, for me, very difficult, I have to say, because in the sport years at this stage, you have a really a lot of different personalities. So we will have one-on-one meetings with our players to make sure that we know exactly how they feel, what makes them happy, what is disappointing for them. So um, at this stage, we trying to get that gap that maybe is there at this stage to really know how players are thinking. Because some players want to, after the game, get immediate feedback. Some just leave me for that moment. So you as a coach needs to know your players and how they react on certain um, feedback. So um, for me, it's at this stage really important and I don't have the time with my team that I want with my team that I can have more of this. And luckily now in this lockdown time, you can communicate and you can start knowing your players a little bit better because I think every player is different and and the personalities are different and you can't treat everyone the same. So for me, I think that is the first thing I need to make sure that I know how to approach every player because you can't handle or can't treat or can't coach every player the same. For selection for a game, we will bring in our leadership group For me, it's really important that I want to hear what the players are feeling. And sometimes, like Bungi will say to me, Coach, your Romani said it's a brilliant combination at this stage. I think you need to start with with them. And I will say, but give me reasons why. I will challenge them getting some feedback from them. So the communication in our leadership group, taking it to the players as well, and not only coach decide this is the seven um, players going into the first line but actually involving the players as well and um, we've got a leadership group uh, of about four players and me and the assistant coach Dimisoni and then we will make the decision I need to 
take the responsibility at the end of the day and that is why I want to get the feedback from the players and will involve them, but I will make the decision at the end. Netball at the elite level is a highly energetic and exciting sport to watch. In other sports, like, say, basketball, we actually see coaches almost becoming the extra player on the court, calling the plays, directing the team, and yet the netball games I've watched with you as head coach, you always seem very calm and composed on the sidelines. With all that energy both on and off the court, are there any routines or systems that you use to maintain calmness? either before or during a game? Yeah, um, I want to say it, I look calm, but inside of me, um, I promise you I'm not calm. Yeah, for me, that is a thing from the moment I started teaching and coaching from a very young age. Um, I like to get feedback from, from my players, and you won't believe at one stage, I didn't say a word next to the court. I will sit in the corner. I'm not the type of person that will scream and shout and I like to make eye contact sometimes with the player if I want to help them, um, but I will just sit in the corner and watch. But what I didn't realize is my body language. So say, for instance, it was a bad pass, I will drop my head. And at that stage, a player will immediately look at you. So my player said to me, Coach, Yo, we feel like if you drop your head, it's like the world is going to end for us. And at that young age, I realized that However, you, you need to give feedback, but it's how you do it. And your body language will play a huge role on that bench because as soon as you negative or aggressive or you feel like you're losing this game now and you start losing and composure and everything, then your team will be very nervous and won't perform. So for me, I'm really trying. I'm not always getting it right, but I'm really trying to take a pen in my hand and write things down rather than trying to shout because they can't hear you in any way. But immediately when they um, on the bench give feedback and um, not a lot of feedback that they can concentrate on one or two things. But um, yes, um, I try to try to stay calm. I will... I'm a bit alone at some stage. I just want to be alone on my own and I will think about everything and how, um, what game plan we should do and how I should adapt if things aren't going right. So I will play the game through before we start and I want to be a little bit on my own just thinking about the game. So I think that's a, a way. I'm not listening to music or anything like that. <laughs> Uh, I like to just speak to my family before a game, just knowing that I've got their support because at some stage as a coach, you will think when you go back and you haven't won one of the games, you're only people, the only people that still love you is your family. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, it's a thing that I realized that you need to stay calm next to the court and I'm trying to, and I'm sometimes doing it wrong in the sense of keeping it inside of me. And um, you sometimes just get need to get on that treadmill and just also run or get on the bicycle and just cycle to just get rid of all that um, stress inside of you. But you shouldn't show it to the players. I'd like to move back to the topic we touched on earlier with diversity. 
all South African sports teams have diverse squads. The SPA Pro Tiers are no different. However, along with cultural diversity, your list also consists of professionals, semi-professionals, full-time students, and players holding down jobs outside of netball. And so my question is, what advice do you have for coaches in managing such diversity in their teams? Yeah, that that is a um, huge challenge, I want to say, because you've got your players, like you said, that's in a professional situation and um, they want to actually come back to the SA team and you need to work with those players because they can't expect that everything should be the same as in their teams playing in Australia because it's not. So it's not only the person that is a student or in a full-time job that needs to adapt. It's also your professional players that needs to adapt. But for me, it's very important that you need to know that you can't, like I said before, you can't treat all your players the same because all players have different circumstances. And you've got your students that have a lot of time that can go anytime, three times a day and just go and train. You've got your full-time working players that is going to gym at four in the morning to be in time to teach at school, will coach the afternoon. Then after a long day of teaching and working and coaching, they will come to training. And you as a coach need to know um, how to handle that situation because not all players will have the same type of energy They've got kids at home. They've got um, husbands at home. So it's it's really, it's a difficult situation. I'm not going to say that this is easy. But if you as a team can talk and a player like a student or a full-time worker can say, but um, ladies, this is a challenge for me. I can't do X, Y, and Z. And We can also learn from the players that's playing in Australia and England because we can take a lot of that and players will bring that to us and say, can't we try this? This is working for us there. Can't we maybe adapt this a little bit to work for our team? So I think, um, yes, as for a coach, I will adapt by doing maybe individuals with players that is in full-time jobs, working um, weekends where they are in the work, not able to train so I will adapt as a coach as well because you can't just expect the players to always be there because they will have challenges as as players but um, I think it's also important to bring in players together and as a team we work our challenges and if you have a problem with the communication between players and the management should be so Good, because if you're not going to say there's a problem, we won't know it. And I think that is where, at this stage, we actually at a good place because our players will know their leadership group is there and they can speak to the leadership group. And the leadership group knows that anytime they can and, and talk to management and say, this is a problem for us or this is a challenge for us and this is something that we want to do uh, that can be positive and we will then go to Naples, Africa and try and give this to our players. So I think it's all about communication our culture is also, um, like I said, we we all different, but if we respect each other and what is important for each other. Pumza had a problem in the case series with her um, son. Her, her mom is looking after, her, uh, her family is looking after her son, and suddenly, you know, the family had problems, and there her son is. 
and we had to arrange some a way for um, Pumza to be with her son for a day. So it's little things, and if you respect each other in that, and you can adapt, I think that is very important because you can't have this rules and only the rules is going to be um, how we're going to treat players. Dorette, you've been very generous in speaking with us today. And so this is my last question for you. Whilst I was preparing for this discussion, I found this wonderful quote that you said, netball is my life. It's my passion. I just love coaching. I love making a difference in players' lives giving them an opportunity to be the best they can be. Those are very powerful and really inspiring words. And so my question is, what's the legacy you believe you are leaving as a coach? My legacy must be that um, first I want to give as many players possible opportunity. I really, my plan that I gave to Nepal Africa, I asked for um, even for a second team to tour internationally and get opportunities. So, yeah, they must remember me as a person that was always there to help. I want to be there for coaches. I want to be there for players. And um, they must remember that not any um, problem came in the way for me to help players to become the best and coaches to develop as coaches. Because for me, it's very important that we develop coaches because I can't work with all the players in the country. I need coaches to help me develop these players. I want them to remember me as um, a, a person that I'm not married. So I think that's the reason why, because I'm always on the netball court and it's all always um, just giving my everything to netball and my family supporting me um, with that. And um, yeah, I just want to um, leave that legacy of um, it's hard work, but be there for players, be there for people. It's not about you. It's what you give. It's what you um, put out there that people will remember you. It's um, giving everything you know you should give out there because then you will learn more and you will never stop learning. So, yeah, that's, a, I think, what um, legacy I will leave out there. And I want to thank um, all the coaches that played a role in my life. And um, Joel McIntosh was the first coach um, when I started um, provincial coaching at senior level. She was actually my mentor coach in South Africa, giving me my first feedback. So it's, um, it's so many coaches that, that's out there that I've learned from. And, and I want to actually tell this to the coaches out there, never stop learning. And you can take good and things that you want to change from every coach out there. So it's a, a process of never, never stop learning. Um, because if you, if you think you know everything, you will never be a great coach. The pursuit to never stop learning is such a great way to finish off. Dorette, it has truly been an honor speaking with you today. And as an Australian sports fan, I have learnt the hard way to never underestimate a South Africa team in any sport. And I'm positive that the Spa Proteas will challenge the very best in the world leading up to and in the Netball World Cup in 2023. And I can only wish you and the squad every success. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank you very much for this opportunity. It was great speaking to you. The Great Coaches Podcast. 
Hi everyone, it's Paul here and you have been listening to our discussion with the head coach of the South African netball team, Dorette Badenhurst. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dorette's views on the importance of hard work and dedication in fulfilling potential. Towards the end, she says that culture is not a management decision and this got me thinking about my own team and how we talk about the work environment we want to create independent of the broader organisational culture. I also enjoyed Dorette's views on the importance of discipline in helping form routines, how she is prepared to take the blame when things don't go well, and the connection between discipline and respect. South Africa is such a proud sporting nation, and you could really feel that energy and pride come through in this interview. In our next episode, we will be speaking to Wimbledon and Roland Garros champion, Jan Kodesh. You know what I, what I like to say by this? I don't like I don't like the trainers because everybody, uh, for example, some players say I have to have a trainer with me on the circuit because he wake me up in the morning and he push me to go to run. I say I mean no one is going to wake up Nadal and tell Nadal you have to go practice and you have to go gym and whatever. You have to have it in yourself in inside. And if you don't have it inside, you never become a champion. And just before we go, coaches are not usually the type of people who seek the spotlight. And so if you can put us in contact with a great coach that you know has a unique story to share, then we would love to hear from you. You can contact us using the details in the show notes. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.